Several weeks later, lo and behold, Martha was told she was a perfect match. A perfect match. We're not in any way blood related, but Martha was a perfect match. I asked and God provided. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. And today we are bringing you Susanna from Montgomery, who you both knew in college. That's right. Mm -hmm. I was so fortunate to know Susanna and her friend Martha, who she speaks about in her story as well, who Martha actually shared her story on our podcast. You can see that in our podcast notes. But Susanna shares the story of um, going through a kidney transplant. It is such a neat story of how God is in the details of our lives and how he places people in our lives for his purpose and to bring glory back to him. Her story is so um, just interesting to me and amazing and how God works little miracles around us all the time. You're going to love her story. Before Susanna's story, we do want to tell you about a special event that's coming up here in Birmingham. So if you are close to the Birmingham area, On Wednesday, April 20th, we are hosting a Friends of Storytellers Live luncheon. This will be a fundraising event here in Birmingham at Vestavia Hills Country Club, and you will get to hear the powerful story of Lauren Sisler. That name probably sounds familiar to you because Lauren is an ESPN college football sideline reporter. (laughs) Y'all, her story Mm -hmm. is incredible. It will be a great time to gather together and hear a powerful story and support the ministry of storytelling. Live. So there's a link in our show notes if you would like to join us on April 20th. And here's Susanna. When I was 22, I thought the world was my oyster. I thought I had my life all planned out and it was going to be just great. I just graduated from Auburn and was in graduate school to become a teacher and dating the man that I knew I was one day going to marry. I was so grateful for the life I was beginning and was giving thanks to God and everything just seemed hunky-dory. Then I began to have headaches and I went to see the doctor who diagnosed me with high blood pressure. At that time, I was 22 and thin and not someone who would have normally been at risk for high blood pressure or even have it. I was confused and as to what was going on, my physician started asking me a bunch of questions about my family history and discovered that um, my father had a disease called polycystic kidney disease or PKD. PKD was genetic and my father had had it and kidney problems can cause high blood pressure. So my doctor, out of concern, ran some tests and that resulted in me being diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease. At that time, the doctor just gave me some blood pressure medicine and said to see a nephrologist once a year for blood work. I was 22, didn't really think much about it and went on with my life, but I had faith that all would be okay and that my life would continue to go on as normal, which it did. Fast forward 20 years and what I thought my life was going to be when I was 22 had changed dramatically. The man I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with, the one who promised to love me through sickness and health, asked for a divorce when my son was four years old. My father had two unsuccessful kidney transplants and had spent 23 years on and off of dialysis, which is a machine that acts like your kidneys and filters your blood, basically allows you to live when your kidneys don't work. Ultimately, my father died from the same genetic disease that I had. I was depressed and I was scared and I needed to be healthy to raise my son. He was and still is my entire world. But I'll be honest, I started to question God. Never really stopped believing, but I did ask God why. Why did my marriage not work? Why am I raising my son all alone? Why did he not allow my father to be healed? 
I think that's normal. I think that's something we all do. And just when you're faced with health crises, I think that just kind of makes you question things a little bit more. But during this time, I relied on my favorite verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That verse had always encouraged me when I was worried, which I tend to do a lot. And it always eased my mind and brought me comfort. And for the next few years, my kidney disease didn't really play a part in my everyday life, as I said before, but they were starting to get worse. Ultimately, my kidneys started to fail. And when your kidneys fail, the kidneys filter the waste from your body. So you're basically full of poisonous waste. You feel terrible, you have no energy, and you experience a multitude of yucky side effects. My sweet son was about to become a senior in high school and needed me. It was an important time in his life. He was busy, extremely active in sports and other activities, was in the midst of applying for colleges and all of that. I was also worried because he was about to go to college and leaving me with an empty nest with a health crisis coming to fruition. A new head of school was hired where I worked that was extremely difficult to work with and things were starting to become very stressful. As my health began to deteriorate, I began to question God. Why did I have this disease? Why can't there be a cure? If I get sick, who's going to take care of me? Why am I still all alone? Am I going to die from this disease too, just like my father? Am I going to have to spend hours and hours on dialysis? And although dialysis does allow you to live, dialysis is never fun. You're required to spend several hours, three or four days a week hooked up to a machine that cleans your blood like your kidneys are supposed to do. It's not fun. You don't feel good afterwards. You have severe dietary restrictions. And the hours hooked up to machine would keep me from being with my son and, of course, totally wreak havoc on my social life. Not to mention traveling, which I loved, would almost be impossible because I, was, I would be required to be on dialysis three or four times a week, again, for several hours. And did I say it was my son's senior year? The year that's full of excitement and anticipation for the next phase of life. I didn't want to miss any of his extracurricular activities. I wanted to be with him as he experienced the joy of applying and visiting colleges. I was excited for his future college plans, but selfishly wanted him to remain at home with me forever. Not because I was sick, but doesn't every mother just want their child to be at home forever? It was in the fall of my son's senior year that my doctor told me that I was in end-stage renal failure. Things at work were worse. My new boss was creating even more and more stress in my life. My doctor said that I needed to meet with a surgeon to put a stent in for dialysis, which I would soon need if I did not receive a kidney transplant. I went and visited the surgeon to talk about getting the stent put in, and I cried the entire time. I did not want to go on dialysis. I knew what it was like for my dad, and I knew what a change it would cause in my life. And selfishly, although I knew it would save my life, it's not what I wanted. The only way that was going to prevent me from going on dialysis would be to receive a kidney transplant. So I went to my family and discussed this, and they, like most family members do, went through the process to see if they were a match. There's a lot of blood tests and so forth that you have to go through to see if you're a match for to donate an organ. But unfortunately, none of my family members matched. I never did test my son to see if he was a match because since polycystic kidney disease is genetic, there was a chance he too could have the disease. And I didn't want to put that pressure on him. Again, it was his senior year in high school. So it appeared that my only option was to get on a kidney transplant list. 
And this means that when someone died who was an organ donor and matched my blood type and several other factors, I would receive a kidney. I went to Atlanta first for testing as it's easier to get on the list there for an organ transplant. And there's many more options to, for hospitals that perform kidney transplants. I was instantly placed on the kidney transplant list in Georgia. However, although I was on the list, the average wait is between five and seven years to receive an organ. While I waited, I was going to have to start dialysis. I prayed and prayed and asked God to provide. I kept repeating Proverbs 3 through 6 over and over again. And Hebrews 11, 11, another favorite verse. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I kept trying to have faith. I knew there were people who were more sick than I, who had other problems in their lives. I had everything was really generally pretty good, except for my kidneys were failing. And I didn't want to go on dialysis and I knew I needed a kidney transplant. So every night I recited these, rever- these verses in my head. At this time in my life, my faith was much stronger than it was at 22. I saw things a little bit more seriously. It wasn't so carefree. And I knew that God was going to get me through whatever trials and storms were before me, but I couldn't help but be scared and upset and angry. I needed a kidney, but asking for a kidney is not something you just call up a friend and ask for. You don't say at lunch, hey, by the way, um, you interested in giving me a kidney or I'm going to have to go on dialysis. I could die. Da da da. It's just not something you really discuss with people. I mean, my friends knew that I was sick, but again, it's not something that you say to put somebody in an awkward position because there's lots of things they have to think about before they would be willing to donate a part of themselves to someone else. It's a big deal. I also felt awkward sharing how sick I was and I was in desperate need for a kidney before I had to start dialysis. Then came my mom. My mom is one of those people who likes to talk a lot. And at an event at Auburn, she saw one of my best friends and former roommates, and she was telling everybody that would listen about me needing a kidney. And she went up to this friend and told her about my failing health and asked her to pray for me to receive a kidney donation. And this friend was named Martha. Tell you a little bit about Martha. I met her at Auburn when she pledged my sorority Kappa Delta. We were instant friends. And Martha's just one of those people who's always happy, always laughing, and everybody in the world that met her adored her. We ended up working in student government together, served as Warrior Girls together, dated fraternity brothers, and ultimately became the best of friends and roommates. Martha was even a bridesmaid in my wedding. Ironically, our fathers were also fraternity brothers when they were at Auburn, and Martha was just truly one of my very best friends in the world. And she knew about me being sick, but like I did with most people, I didn't really tell everybody how bad it really was. But my mom did. Martha instantly responded to my mom and said, Oh my gosh, don't need, you don't need to worry. She's just one of those sweet voices. That's always happy and peppy. And she told my mom, she's like, soon doesn't need to worry. She's going to get my kidney. Um, I'm going to give her a kidney. And that was that. I mean, I know I'm going to be a match. It's going to work. Don't worry about it anymore. And later that night, she called me to tell me the good news that she was going to be my kidney donor. And she just knew it. Well, when Martha first called, of course, I was like, okay, this is a big deal. Are you just saying this? Are you really taking it seriously? This is not just something you just say. And I said, Martha, first of all, you have a husband and you've got five children. And she was like, well, if any of them ever have problems, there's five of them. They've got 10 kidneys between them. They'll be fine. And I was like, okay, you're crazy, but I appreciate your willingness to try. And if your family approved, let's get tested. 
Well, again, in order to donate a kidney to someone, there are certain tests for compatibility, et cetera. There's lots and lots of blood work, lots and lots of tests that need to be performed to see if the donor is a match to the recipient. Martha went to the University of Alabama where she lived um, in Birmingham and took the test to see if she was a match. Several weeks later, lo and behold, Martha was told she was a perfect match, a perfect match. We're not in any way blood related, but Martha was a perfect match. I asked and God provided. All those years ago at Auburn, God purposefully placed Martha in my life so that she would one day be able to save it. Our fathers were friends at Auburn before we even knew each other. Martha pledged my sorority. We were actively involved in the same activities. We lived together. We're in each other's weddings, etc. Also, one day, Martha would be the person that saves my life. On January 6, 2017, the winter of my son's senior year in high school, Martha and I underwent our surgeries. It was the most busy time of year in my job. It was kindergarten open house, which I was in charge of annually, where several hundred people come and I wasn't going to be there. And again, I had a new boss that was rather stressful. So not the best timing. However, God's timing is always better than what we think. Martha and I were in the same room right before surgery, and we prayed and prayed that the surgery would be successful, that we'd be okay. For some reason, Martha was also extremely paranoid and asked the doctor or informed the doctor that she better not drop the kidney when she moved it from her body to mine. And that was something we giggled about, but it was really very concerning for her. Martha's kidney began working instantly once it was inside me. Just kind of ironically, I started producing Martha's urine um, because that's what was in my kidney <laughs> right when they first had it. So that was kind of something funny that we, we shared. But the doctor said that after the surgery, that Martha's anatomy was truly built to be a kidney donor, that there were certain parts of her body that were built in a way that made everything much more easy to put her kidney into mine. And there's no other explanation than God had provided. God had placed Martha in my life and allowed our friendship to grow so that again, one day she could save my life. And he created her body specifically to be my kidney donor. He made those special reasons, those special anatomical differences, et cetera, that made her body a perfect match for me to receive her kidney. Well, the sur surgery was successful for both of us and Martha's kidney was actually removed laparoscopically. And after a few weeks of rest was feeling back to normal. My mother stayed and lovingly nursed me in Birmingham for about a month so that the doctors could monitor my progression every day with blood work, et cetera. There were some complications as the day after surgery, I became diabetic. Of course, it's a rare side effect that I got from the transplant surgery due to the high amounts of prednisone, which is a steroid that I was given. I also take 36 pills a day, most of which are medicines that prevent rejection or deal with one of the side effects from my kidney disease. And I'm going to have to take those pills or most of them for the rest of my life. I also lost my hair from one of the strong anti-rejection medicines and realized this after a picture I had taken at church on senior night with my son, that my hair was extremely thin and looked a little bit weird. Had to have him look on top of my head and take a picture and noticed, oh my Lord, I am bald or balding. I had to wear a wig to my son's graduation and for about a year and a half following my transplant. I still deal with some of the side effects of the medicine, and I still have my native kidneys, which are large, full of cysts because of the disease, and sometimes they're painful. I'm still single. 
but my amazing son has since graduated from the University of Virginia and is about to begin medical school at the University of Alabama. He too has been diagnosed with PKD, which is unfortunate, but again, it's a genetic disease and, and that was a risk that we had when we decided to have children. But I have faith, just as I did before, that he's going to be okay, that if needed, he'll receive a kidney transplant, or that a cure is coming soon. And having him in the medical field at UAB, where they do research like this, is just going to be wonderful, where he'll see firsthand what they're doing to help make people like us with this disease live a better and longer life. I have the sweetest dog, a loving mother, great friends and an angel named Martha in my life, and God has truly provided. I've witnessed firsthand how faith works, that through any storm, God is there, just as he was when the disciples were stranded on a boat during a storm. They were worried, they were confused, they were scared. As the lightning went off, the thunder clapped, and the waves took over the boat, Jesus appeared by walking on water and said he was there. He walked on water to bring them to safety, and he did that for me. And I'll do that for you. Following my transplant, I bought myself a dominant cross necklace, which I wear daily as a reminder that Jesus is with me and that faith always triumphs above fear. You know, Susanna's story was so unique and really unlike any we've had before. And that her life did not go as planned, but yet God brought her friends along the way, ultimately the friend along the way in Martha. But... I loved her talking about her fear of being alone. You know, she said early on that her life was planned out at age 22, ready to go. She was, she knew who she was going to marry. She had a job and she was set for life. And very quickly that derailed. And I just think there's so much to learn from that when life, quote unquote, doesn't go as we mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. And she went into marriage knowing that she did not, that she was sick, Mm -hmm. knowing that there were going to be health problems in her life. And she ended up alone, which was a fear. Mm -hmm. It was a true fear to navigate the sickness and the Lord just stepping up. Yeah. I I love that she had verses that she really clung to during that time. You know, she ends her story by talking about faith always triumphing over fear. She mentions Hebrews 11.1 over and over again, Mm -hmm. which is, it's really the definition of what faith Mm -hmm. is, which is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't see. And a lot of times we just don't see him in the moment, but we're certain that he's there. And she was. And then, you know, she also spoke about the story that's found in Matthew chapter 14 of Jesus walking on the water. And one of the things that we don't actually recognize, unless you really look at the scripture, is that Jesus allowed that storm to come and he sat on that mountainside and watched the storm, watched the waves go up against that boat. Mm -hmm. And then at dawn, he came and walked. So he wanted them to experience that storm a little bit. And then look towards him and then experience the miracle in it. And that's exactly what Susanna did. I loved her story because, I, of course, I love her and Martha so much. But I just loved her story because it did just point out the importance of really clinging to your faith when fear screams something completely different. Absolutely. And and like you said in the beginning, uh, Stacey Morgan's point of the divine crossroad between hope and fear. (laughs) Now we're talking about faith Mm -hmm. and fear. I found myself thinking about Martha. Martha is is a personal friend of of all of ours. Um, what if Martha had never followed the prompting? Yeah. First of all, I related to the mom. Yeah, like <laughs> let me let me tell everyone what's going on yes, with my yes. daughter and who can help. Um, the, a mother's heart. I love that. But also, how many times do you hear of a situation where? 
huh, you know, I, I might could help, but you have mm-hmm. to take that next step. Yes. And just that really spoke to me is of Martha's selflessness <laughs> mm-hmm. to, I mean, it wasn't her sister. No, yeah. mm-hmm. it was her sorority sister. <laughs> right. And so really taking that step of faith there spoke to me. And, and speaking of being a kidney donor, our community leader in Montgomery, Hillary, asked Susanna about the power of kidney donation. And we just wanted to, to kind of play what she mm-hmm. said. It's extremely important because again, you can save so many lives. I mean, you can save two people with their, you know, each person, two different people can get your kidneys. You can, you can get your liver, your skin, your eye, corneas and so forth. There's so many things that you can do your heart that you can save somebody because we all know that when we go to heaven, our bodies are different. They're, they're whole and we're in perfect, perfect in God's eyes. So that looks different than what it does here. So there's really no reason that we need to have our organs. And so to be a kidney donor or any kind of organ donor, you need to put it on your driver's license and let your next of kin also know, because they can also try, they can trump what's on your driver's license. If your spouse says no, then you're not going to be a donor. So make sure you let people in your family know how important it is to you to be able to be a donor. Um, Because again, it's better to to do something with those organs because otherwise, you know, there there's, you're saving lives. Your, your life is continuing through other people and what a great gift that is. And also being a live donor uh, for somebody, if you ever know somebody that needs a, a kidney or something like that, really consider it. I think if Martha was here, she said this before that it's not that traumatic of a surgery and insurance pays for the person who is donating their kidney, the entire process, they pay for all of it. And should they ever have kidney failure because they were a live donor, they go to the top of the kidney donor list for um, receiving an organ, which is pretty amazing too. So I'll have a little challenge for y'all today, which is exactly what Lindy just talked about. If God has a prompting, if you hear, if you feel something on your heart that he's calling you to do, it is so easy for us to sit back and and think on it. And then it just kind of disappears. And so I know for myself this week, I'm really going to be paying attention to who the Lord puts around me, what he prompts me to do. And really, I'm going to challenge myself and the rest of us to take that step to whatever he calls us to. And if you want to hear more of Susanna's story, we have a treat for you on Patreon. She and Martha are actually doing an episode together, which because we know them, it will be a hoot. Uh-huh. <laughs> it will be funny and it will be loud. And we are so thankful that this month on Patreon, Martha and Susanna are going to be on an episode together. And y'all, we know both of them and it is going to be a good time. <laughs> You're guaranteed to laugh and to hear really both sides of their story. It's so exciting to see how God moved and each of their lives to culminate here. So if you want to go back and hear Martha's first story, she was episode 80. There's also a link right below in your notes. You can hear Susanna's story and then you can go over to Patreon and listen to both of them. And so thanks for listening today. Have a great week and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.